Gonna have a real good time together We're gonna have a real good time together We're gonna laugh the child together Have a real good time together Well, hey there. It's Jokerman Podcast. Hey there. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Forget I said that. I'm Ian. <laughs> uh, Evan. It's Ian and Evan. And we're dancing undercover. Under a mariachi moon. Mariachi moon. Dancing, dancing, dancing. We'll be uh, out of here soon. We're talking about Walking on Locusts. That's Everybody right. knows that album. It's the... It's the John Peel album you know and love from 1996, featuring a uh, landmark... Haircut. Haircut, and honestly, album art, just kind of uh, 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 aesthetic in general. I mean, this is... I don't, I'm just... I'm. This is... I've, we've teased this before. This is one of my favorite John Cale albums, if not my favorite, just like on a personal level. I'm not going to say that it's the best John Cale album by any means. Yeah. Um, although, honestly, maybe I will be saying that by the end of this episode. What the fuck? Uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, the cover, the look, the vibe is so delicious. I mean, I, I just, I can't get enough of it. It's 1996. It is it, 1996. That is right, brother. The it, pink... Uh, it's an out of focus photo of uh, a sc- uh, screaming John, soy facing John, soy facing John, <laughs> uh, blurry uh, with a fleshy colored flesh background. Yes. Uh, the back cover is the back of his haircut, so you can really tell what the haircut looks like. He's got the turf bangs going. He's got kind of the, uh, I-, I guess, fascist haircut uh, going, but it looks good on him. It looks great. He's pulling it off. He always pulls it off. And yeah, uh, the yeah. Uh, entire thing is basically just the one shade of like beige, pink, salmon kind of color. Like his tongue is that color. His flesh is that color. The background is that color. You get a little bit of definition on the eyes and the hair. But otherwise, it's like 85% just one singular Pantone uh, swatch. I love it. It's so it, great. It's very chic. I mean, it looks good. It just looks uh, it continues to look good. It looks like it could have come out today. I mean, it. We. I guess we were saying it's like implying it's very '90s, but it it is in a kind of forward-thinking way. It's it's the stuff in the late '90s that has stuck around without being like um, past. De- like it's if someone were to do this today, it wouldn't feel like they were doing a callback to. Oh the no! Yeah, this 90s. feels. This could feel very 2023. I mean, the, the, we're we're out of the early mid 90s and and into the late 90s on this. I think right because I mean the the early mid 90s. That's sort of our sweet spot here. We know the Under the Red Skies, the Good as I've Been to Use, the Mutineers, the Eleven Tracks of Whack, and so on and so forth. That's all very early 90s. Magic and Lost, early 90s. You know, very, obviously yeah. 92 feels looks early 90s. Walking on Locusts. 
man, we are feels, in the late nineties. Let's go. Yeah, it feels like the the like jelly clear Game Boy and Mac. That's right. MTV, computer. TRL, Times Square, Carson Daly. This is all. It's happening, man. Um, every every restaurant has kind of like a, a, they're serving stuff with bok choy instead mm. of uh, regular spinach. They've got like bacon wrapped scallops and there there's sort of warm lighting in every coffee shop but it it's the like the beginning of corporate uh corporatization of coffee shop culture um it's the this is the fraser core yes that's right uh john kale album that's right fraser crane probably has the uh, purchased this honestly it sounds like the kind of, like listen if if fraser is going to listen to a john kale record i can't think of many others that he would be like i don't know that he would love this paris but 19, I he would listen to paris nineteen ninety. i guess he would listen to paris but that that seems a little like honestly seems a little kind of artistic you know well no he would he loves the art he would be like but he's like low he's like lowbrow highbrow no he's the opposite he's like so he would he would be offended that paris 1919 was a subversion of classical forms he'd be like it's vulgar he's making he's making vulgar rock music out of uh Whatever, you know. I think Paris 1919, beyond that, would have been hard for Fraser to get his, you know, little grubby, grubby little Seattle mitts on in 1996 anyways, because I don't think that that record was, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there had been a CD issue of it somewhere, but like, I don't think you just walk into the local Sam Goody and pick up a copy of Paris 1919 in 1996. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But uh, what you could kind of count on is um, walking into th- th- that uh, store or Tower Records and and finding a copy of this in the CD section. It this is meant to be. It's marketed to F- Fraser Crane. Sure, it is, a, and it's it is a CD album. That's a great uh, that's a great call as well. I, I owned it on CD. Um, you you own it? I did. I did. I you did. No longer wow. do. No longer do. I wish I. What a um, mistake! You had this, and now you don't. <laughs> the thing is, uh, when it comes to CDs lately, I've, I've I'm starting to really like get my shit together because I just realized recently, for the first time in like ten years, like wait a minute. Granted, I was in New York for a lot of it and not always driving a car, but I've had a lot of time driving a car without a CD player, and then I just realized that I could just get a USB one like one that plugs into the usb thing that's very funny that you have used like semi-recent technology to go backwards in in technology so i (laughs) I you couldn't find a usb tape deck to plug in there instead well i I wanted cds because that's my favorite way to listen to music um when i can get it and i it's i'm really gonna i'm gonna figure it out i'm gonna have it at home too but i went to the store um i went to counterpoint records uh and i got a bunch of CD albums, like albums that I would only ever get or want mm-hmm. to hear on CD. Uh, Stephen Hyden is somewhere smiling as I say this. Um, so I got like two different, I got a, I got Days Like This by Van Morrison. I got The Healing Game by Van Morrison. I, I got, never even heard of those. Two. <laughs> I, I got Human Touch by uh, Okay, Bruce Human Touch, that's great. I got... Uh, 99.5 Fahrenheit degrees by Suzanne Vega. Okay. I got, I got, um, I, what, oh, I got together through life, of course. Oh, that that's fantastic. Yeah. So I like, I kind of just 
starter packed that and had they had it i would have gotten walking on locusts walking on locusts well keep your eyes out anyone out there if you can find a copy of walking on locusts on cd send it send it to old evan here i'm looking at the discogs on it right now actually because i don't have any sort of cds at all i'm strictly a a records and tape guy uh annoyingly this has never been issued on anything other than CD. There's See? no... There, that's this, why this has only get... ever been issued on the compact disc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's and no... And it feels like it. It yes. seems like it. It 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 looks like it. Uh, I, I think that was the case also for Set the Twilight Reeling up until recently when it was reissued for... Yeah, they reissued that vinyl. for uh, Record Store Day a couple years ago. I picked that up. Uh, and it's a beautiful little package with Jeez, like a... I should, I should get it. Hol- hologram Lou on the front. He's like kind of shiny. It's great. Well, the, um, the CD packaging, I bring it up because this was an era, and we'll get to that record, that amazing record and the others, but um, that, that particular record has a very elaborate, award-winning, I think, CD packaging design, mm. which included like a slide of uh, blue, like sort of blacklit, like blue clear gel and then you you take that off, and then you can see all the writing on his face. I love the, like, the gel, translucent, just everything that was going on in this era, from like the the iMac, you know, the Bondi Blue iMac to jelly shoes to whatever Lou was doing with set the Twilight Reeling and the packaging. It's that's such a delicious aesthetic. To the side of this CD, I think that's that right. the side of the case is clear pink. It's clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Well, it's an out. It's fifty minutes. Uh, this record. That's I mean, right. we never talk about how long a record is, but I'm just saying, fifty okay. minutes. Fifty. There you go. Put it down. Put it down the notebook, folks. Fifty minutes. John Cale walking on this. I know that because I uh, was trying to figure out how much time I had to give it another listen before we uh, did this, because it's a record that, like so many CD type albums, it's sort of kicked around my life at various points, like turning it on having to get out of the car then just kind of like shuffling it back into the cd binder and eventually it comes back or you go through the different discs in your disc changer and you hear this record in little bits over a long period of time and what i'm trying to say is i don't know it that well like front to back i can't i can't believe that you of all people wouldn't know this record well that's always been the thing that is uh crazy about it is that you do that's like (laughs) (laughs) this is your together through life uh it is my together through life for john i guess and i guess it's john's together through life in some way that i'm not actually sure how as i'm making this claim but i'm going to figure it out as i go along here i mean it is uh it is latter day john right we're getting getting closer then this is really his only his only record of the 90s, like only studio, just like normal collection of songs of the 90s. Like there was Drella, that's a collab with Lou, obviously. He did a ton of um, film scores and he did like the Eat Kiss thing for the Andy Warhol thing with, with Sterling and Moe also. Um, and uh, and obviously Fragments. But in terms of just like pop songs on an album, put it in the stores, this is it. And it's kind of unassuming, I think. And, and that's part of what I love about it. And I guess here's where we're we're starting to move in the direction of Together Through Life, talking about unassuming, it doesn't ask too much of you. And, uh, and like, that can be a... I, I, I guess if you approach this stuff just kind of like, if, if you were just listening to John Cale albums sequentially through time and 
came to 1996 and you're really excited. It's the first John Cale album in years at this point. Here we go. I can't believe this guy's finally back. He hasn't really put out a normal studio LP in over a decade at this point, if you want to go back to uh, artificial intelligence, really. And, and here we are. And this is what you get. You know, you might be, I can see, I can see Fraser Crane being disappointed. Uh, with that at this moment in time but have you i feel like you don't really know what from fraser what i don't you? i don't really know <laughs> much yeah, about fraser but i'm pulling i'm just pulling i'm pulling him back in here if if we were saying that he was listening to john kale and he was uh he was getting into paris and not gonna be too happy about well, i think niles would uh niles would be disappointed in this but fraser would be like maybe uh have he would he would he would get into it i think he would just find it easy to listen to, and then over time discover the subtleties. Just like everybody who approaches this record does. That's right. Well, yeah, and, and, but, and so that's like, like listening to it and really focusing on it recently and it, it having been one of the Latter-day John records that I have been most fond of and familiar with, you know, going into this whole project, um, now really kind of coming back to it at the end of this or, you know, wherever we are in this journey, you know, X percent, it's such a rewarding kind of listen to me because it is so it's just it, like I said it doesn't ask too much of you and and you can really just kind of put it on and I think the way that you said you have been listening to it you know recently and throughout your life you just get in the car you hear two and a half songs and then you find a parking spot and you get out and you come back three hours later and you hear half of whatever song that you stopped in the middle of and then you pick up the next three songs on your drive home like I think that honestly is the right way to be listening to this album because it you can really pick it up wherever you want. It feels like each song is its own kind of unique thought out, you know, uh, widget, you know, article item, but it doesn't necessarily tell a greater story. You know, in my conception of it, it's really just like it's a nicely packaged album of nicely packaged songs and for where I'm at, you know, uh, in in this whole journey and my life in general like that's exactly what i want especially out of an artist that we know is as uh preternaturally talented as mr john davies kale yeah it's kind of your enjoyment of this depends on how much credit you want to give him as a a writer really and like a less as a a shock jock musician less as somebody who's gonna like blow you away yes the shock with, jock element the chicken cutoffs the screaming the howling the shitting the pissing the moan it's all gone he's just he's normal now and it's great to see but it's it's not uh that's not to say that the the writing isn't interesting like there's it's like steely dan in that way you know you could kind of um easily scoff at it if you're accustomed to music that you want your music more uh, bristly and intense uh, you might think like well this is just like some fucking piffle but obviously there's more going on under there and there's pleasures to be had in a more refined experience Um, sometimes it can veer into too refined and you miss that feeling of uh, excitement that's like the conflict that i think listeners will have listening to this record is to some it will be too tame uh, if you like john kill at all it's probably going to be too tame for you and uh that will be the thing if you struggle with it that'll be how you're struggling and 
if you don't know John Cale, this isn't going to like wow you the first time either. Yeah, this so is, it's it kind of doesn't. It's not the have, one that you play for people <laughs> the it's first a, time a, they're getting into the guy. A record without, with no people, kind of like it sort of is uh, forgotten for a reason. I mean, but, the same way that you wouldn't, you wouldn't sit someone down, you know, someone is coming to you, an alien is just landing on the planet and you say, hey, I want to get you into Bob Dylan. I'm going to play you my favorite Bob Dylan album together through life. And this is really going to hook you from, <laughs> from right away. Um, in the same way that you wouldn't do that, you wouldn't do that with, with, uh, uh, with Walking on Locusts. But it, um, uh, I, I think like, because it's so unremarkable, it makes it more, to me, it makes it more remarkable to people like us who are, you know, engaging in this quote-unquote serious, you know, kind of study, listening experience of the whole man, of the man's whole discography here. It, it's the same, or it, it's, it's the same and the exact opposite, in fact, uh, sort of thing that we talked about with Jack when we were talking about Magic and Loss, right? Which I was a little more lukewarm on than you guys were. That that album really does ask a lot of you as a listener, and, and it is clearly like art with a capital A. Lou poured his heart and soul into that thing, and it's uh, it's an overwhelming experience. Um, and this is not that. <laughs> this is not a, this is an underwhelming experience, if anything. Um, and uh, and that to me is just a, it's a refreshing uh, uh, breath of, of fresh air. <laughs> it's a, oh wow! I didn't know that he could do that. It's just like a guy wearing slacks. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Wow! Look at him go. <laughs> He's got a nice pleat right down the center. I mean, uh, sometimes it's uh, it's amazing to see something. Do- I think I've said that before. I-, I was saying something, trying to defend my opinion to Stephen. That sometimes it's nice just to watch an artist like a horse walk through a field right yeah, exactly this is <laughs> this is the the john kale stallion just yeah kinda, uh trotting grazing br- brushing flies off his ass with his tail sometimes a record is just like the same amount of excitement you get from when you see cows uh when you're driving you're like cows yeah nice that's okay it's nice to see we all love to see that and this is kind of like us going john kale Album. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk about it. Track one, dancing undercover. You're dancing undercover, When the passing over, we'll be out of here soon. It's groovy. It's groovy. <laughs> this, is, this is some uh, like Luaka Bop, like late David Byrne type ass shit. Interestingly, David Byrne is going to make an appearance on this record in a couple songs. We'll we'll come back to that. I didn't uh, even know I, that. Yeah, I I learned it recently just looking at the credits here. Uh, I was I was not happy to see that, but uh, we'll, I, we'll let that sit for the time being. Um, Dancing undercover is really groovy to it's me. fun I, it's i love it's the way this sounds you were you said a moment ago like you know there's there's there, there there's more going on here than meets the eye or something or like if you if you if you engage with it you know as a written you know work it's it's more interesting than it might initially appear to me like uh this, you know your mileage may vary yours and anyone else's as well i don't really engage with this record on a like kind of a a, a song like verse poetic lyrical kind of level i I don't there are (laughs) there are snatches of that here and there but a lot of this has that kind of um 
that uh, Sonic the Hedgehog fucking um, basement uh, tapes. Uh, also, just like that sort of silly, like whatever. Yeah, it's it's silly. Yeah, exactly. It it feels not placeholder-y necessarily. You know, Sonic the Hedgehog more... than the basement tapes, things yeah. like that. You know, well, I mean, those are two common reference points on this show. If you've listened to it enough, that that makes perfect sense. It, the 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 Brian Eno way of writing lyrics, right? Where it's it's he's he's making sounds and looking for the way that that it fits with the instrumental palette behind it, and then working backwards to what those sounds turn into in terms of words. And You mean and, the David Byrne way of writing lyrics? Well, David Byrne stole it from Brian Eno. Well, um, Brian Eno probably took it from John Cale. Well, no, but he didn't, no, because John Cale, you know, from the very beginning, obviously influenced yeah, Eno in many ways, but, uh, you know, uh, no, John no, was that, that is, seriously that focused be. on his uh, poetics at the beginning. Um, and has been all throughout his life. Yes, but, never mind, never mind. No, yeah. I mean, but maybe there's some aspect of that. I I feel like maybe... I mean, it's all recursive. You know, at a certain point, they all started to influence each other. But um, yeah, I, I, to me, it, it I, I get the same kind of lyrical engagement here that I did on like the Eno solo records when we were talking about those before and after Science or um, or Tiger Mountain, where you get snatches of you know a phrase or 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 a word here or there that are like, oh wow, that's really kind of interesting. Uh, there's a couple examples towards the end in particular, but in general, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm letting my eyes glaze over, I'm leaning back, and I'm saying, this is good music. <laughs> this is yeah. John Cale's good music. Uh, yeah, Dancing Undercover. Uh, um, Maureen Mo Tucker, drums on Dancing Undercover. Can't say that her drumming comes through particularly... Yeah, it doesn't sound as much like Mo as you would typically expect to hear. But I, I, I need to listen more closely with that in mind. But, and also, there is a nice solo, like, in the first track here, toward, like, the two-minute, three, two three-minute mark, there's a good viola shredding moment. Mm. If you like blink and you'll miss it, like you, you actually might not even notice that it's like maybe somebody's used to other, like just more normal fucking records would listen to that part and be like, what's going on here? But to a, a seasoned John Cale listener, you might not even notice that he like dips in a. Goes down some, like a warm glass of milk. So yeah, his like atonal. Because it's so couched in this record, in this song, with the, within this kind of like easy prepackaged Starbucks beverage version of mm. John Kill. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, a frappuccino of an album here. It's like Starbucks refresher. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, um, Set Me Free track two. Also, drums provided by Maureen. Lady wants you to dance to the sound of the castanets. You're trying hard to forget. song in the album wow already yeah it's just it's the best one how so take it away it's very pretty okay <laughs> easy enough it is pretty i mean and and that's that is honestly like that is a level at which i appreciate this record um you know uh, uh very deeply is it's it's a pleasant easy listen you know you, you can't be at heartbreak hotel mode all the fucking time and john obviously has learned that by this point 
Um, he writes a little bit about it in, in the book, uh, which I think ends actually like just around this time. Like, uh, you know, we've been quoting that, you know, throughout this process, but he's, we're, that's, that's no longer going to be a, a tool for us because I think it came out in 99 or 2000 or something and he stopped writing the narrative in 97 or 98. Um, he writes a little bit about it though. And, you know, he's just like, yeah, I, I just found my way back into the studio. It was interesting to me again. You know, I, I had, I had stopped making records in uh, the mid eighties because I just, I, I was banging my head against the wall and was miserable. And by this point, it just like, it, you know, I was able to find my way back to it pretty naturally. Um, and it sounds like it, you know, it, this, this kind of music sounds just beautiful and it, it, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. The song is um, a very sweet and lilting, sort of country-inflected song, but yeah, it doesn't. A ri- slide guitar, I think. It's more just that's in the instrumentation than like the the type of. It's it's those are like the textures and sounds, but the song itself feels like akin to something like Andalusia. Yeah, Andalusia or, um, Buffalo Ballet. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Right I th- I think it's like really. Really good. I I really love this song. Actually, I think it's one of his better love song type ballads uh, in the second half of his career, whatever half this is. Yeah, and here's where like some of the the lines and lyrics I think are really kind of vivid, right? The lady wants you to dance to the sound of the castanets. You're trying hard to forget what she'd mean to you if she should set you free. When you walk in the rain up to your ankles in water, fixated on the vision of the hangman's daughter, just the, 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 the rhythm of those phrases, I think, are so satisfying to me. Um, Bob Dylan lyrics. Yeah, I mean, they're, honestly, they're like, yeah, a little, little Dylan-esque, very, early, early I mean, Bob. The first one, there's a carnival, there's a carnival lady in a 10-gallon hat. Right. She yeah, pulls exactly. a rabbit out of the hat. Yeah. Straight out of uh, the Desolation Row cutting room floor. I don't think he would rhyme hat with hat, but yeah. I appreciate it. Again, he's not, John is not trying too hard here. There's nothing wrong with rhyming hat with hat, but uh, I just don't, I don't know that Dylan would do it. (laughs) They don't actually, is that true? I mean, would you say that two words that are the same rhyme? You know, if you look at it from a certain uh, perspective, you can. If you you don't even try to look at it from any perspective, yeah. Uh, Um. well, yeah, I I just think the, yeah, can't say uh, more than I have. It's, it's Yes, Set Me Free, very beautiful song. So What, next song, pseudo title track here. So what do we learn from them? by that it's a it's a track that features the name of the album walking within on it. locusts that's right but it's not actually called walking on locusts what is what does walking on locusts mean to you what 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 are you getting from that um i think it's like a play on walking on eggshells um mm. or like walking on locusts if in the context of this song which seems to be very much about like uh difficulties in relationships and sort of working on a relationship despite it being constantly difficult or a marriage uh that's sort of what it seems like yeah, it's like he's saying like it. what did we learn from that what do we learn from this or like walking sure. on locusts it's a you're you're constantly walking on eggshells it's like a moving thing that's dynamic and 
you're also it's also a plague <laughs> yeah it's sort of a gross like, gr- like I, when i hear walking on locusts i think of like crunching a bunch of locusts and getting like bug guts and shit all over your your shoes yeah which doesn't seem uh, consonant with the way this song sounds or this record sounds that's interesting because well if it's that you know it's it's an interesting to think about locusts you know something you think of as the plague it's like walking on locusts is like continuing on it's like you're doing your life living your life even though it's covered in evil locust uh plague locusts yeah it's like it's sort of like soldiering on despite all of this constant um embattlement from disgusting stupid bullshit like locusts on everything yeah and on on, i mean on that note just in terms of interpretation like it his his marriage at this point was uh uh, on its last legs he writes about this in the book so i feel like it's uh you know kind of fair game to talk about because he relates the two of them but it was um it was in in the process of uh of of wrapping up so it that could very well be part of what is informing him on a song like this maybe not the whole record because again it sounds remarkably bright and sunny and upbeat for a man going through divorce but i think even still that judging by the way that he writes about it and certainly what we've seen in the 25 30 years since this record came out and what he's done you know on on the back half of his career like he seems like he really figured it out and kind of like he he went through his shit, obviously, but arrived at some sense of peace and understanding and stability. The same way that Bob did, the same way that Lou did. Um, I don't know. It, 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 I, I didn't necessarily make that connection going into this, you know, that, that uh, all three of these guys had reached that same kind of plateau or point in their lives. Um, divorce? Not divorce, but uh, like, uh, again, like... like um, in spite of troubles like that, right, or troubles like, uh, you know, uh, uh, drug abuse or, you know, long-term kind of pain issues or um, uh, uh, medical concerns, in spite of all that, uh, a way, you know, finding a way to move forward and continue to walk on locusts, uh, so to speak. Uh, that's, and, yeah, that's one you know, way to view it. I, although I'm reading the lyric now and I, I think it might be <laughs> less inspiring I mean, he's saying a shattered and a facet to be, facet to do, a shattered inevitable greed. You're walking on locusts. You like to do that. I can hear it when you talk. What do we learn from that? What do we learn from that? So I don't know. What do I, we learn from that? Do we ever learn from that? He says at the end. The way this song sounds. I love those backing vocals here. Yeah, it, this song is, almost sounds like. Like it's on a sitcom or something. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another part of what I love about this record is like, just look at the first three re- the first three songs that we've talked about, Dancing Undercover, Set Me Free, So What. They sound so different, so distinct. And that's what I was talking about earlier. There is no cohesive kind of palette that he's working on here the way that everything from Magic and Loss feels like a Magic and Loss song. This is just like, you can pit... It's you, adult you, contemporary music. Yeah, you, it, honestly, you could, you could throw this on shuffle and listen to all of these songs in whatever order, and it would make just as much sense in terms of sequencing as I think it does, with one or two exceptions. But, um, you know, for the most part, it's, it's, it's the John Cale, you know, sampler platter 
to use a, a turn of phrase that I always love to uh, love to drop. And there's no more appropriate uh, place than walking on locusts. I just want to point out that the first lines in walk in uh, so what are less than a day when the speed of decision was taken while we waited outside for savage ineptitude, motionless spectacle into the glass of time. That's right. So Amen. you know, Amen. John is still doing. Amen. John's still Johnning. You know, is what I mean. He is, but I don't think he's. Um, you know, I, I, to me, a, a, a turn of phrase that oblique. I think he's clearly. You know, if if he has an idea of what he means, he doesn't want people to understand. And I don't even know if he really knows what he's talking about there. I think he does know what he's talking about. I think he's trying to be really, really specific in a way that actually makes it hard to understand uh, in effect. But um, he, uh, I, I just mean to say that, like, even if the song sounds, sounds kind of uh, uh, glossy to your ear, like, just pay attention to what he's saying. It's like, absolutely not going to be boring sounding. Like, it, the, the words are not going to be normal if everything else, even if everything else does. Uh, that's enough. not true about the next one, though. Crazy. Uh, crazy. This song's just weird in every sense, I think. This is our, our friend, uh, Mr. David Byrne, uh, with the guitar solo here. Um, John said he just uh, he went to David's studio and he cut this guitar solo and they didn't really talk, but it worked out very nicely and it was a very professional experience. And that's what you got here. It's funny to see them linking up this many years down the line after Eno stole the talking heads from, you know, supposedly stole the talking heads from John initially um, before more songs about building and food. John wanted to produce them, you know, those first couple records. That's another sliding doors moment in uh, rock history. But I digress. Um, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about here, but he's he's doing that classic John Cale thing of of dropping a bunch of like very specific location references that don't seem to bear much relation to one another. And by doing that, giving you this cosmopolitan, globe trotting, exciting kind of feel. Uh, yeah, cra- I I'm crazy Egypt. I'm crazy Egypt. You, you say I'm, I'm crazy, crazy Egypt. Egypt? <laughs> the Yankee on Canal Street doesn't know which side he's on. You buy me the election, I'll sell you Japan. Sell you Japan from, from an, an Algiers, Algiers motel, motel window, window to a debutante's affair. affair. You've, You've got, got everything you wanted, and you're, and you're still, still crazy, crazy Egypt. Egypt. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's yeah. unclear if he's speaking to the country of Egypt. If he's speaking to an Egyptian person, it's if unclear. It's a, if it's a if it's a guy that's just named Egypt, you know, just sort of a weird kind of character with a nickname. Uh, he also mentions Microsoft in this <laughs> song. It should he be does. noted, as well as Santa in Claus. Um, in risky stock adventures, the back end might be sweet. Microsoft is nothing. Your money's safe with me. I made a decent offer. You stared off into space. You countered my proposal by laughing in my face. What do you say? What do you say? I'm crazy. And then you, and then she says, and then I says, and then I says to her, and then I says, and then I says, you're crazy, Egypt. Crazy, Egypt. Um, so much for love. You know, much more meaning to ring from crazy Egypt. Not, no. Okay. I don't. Not this that's, time. That's your area of specialty. I, I, I thought you were surely going to have a. What, uh, ringing meaning? Uh, yeah, I mean, he says, he says it all. Shit. <laughs> what more is there to say? I'm crazy. I Egypt. said you're crazy, Egypt. 
This episode of Jokerman Podcast is presented by DistroKid. Over a million artists rely on DistroKid to distribute their music and get it into all of the places it needs to go. Your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, your YouTube's, your TikTok's, your Tidal's, your Instagram's, and any other streaming service of note. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy. With unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100%, that's right, 100, all of them, folks, of their royalties and earnings. DistroKid comes with tons of great features, including Mixia, which allows DistroKid users to put the finishing touches on their tracks in just minutes, getting a customizable and polished end result that anyone can feel confident in before sharing it with the world. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. So go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. Uh, So Much For Love, another beautiful song. So much for love So long for now Yeah, yeah, this one is a I'm getting divorced song. You think? Since you've been gone, many things have changed. The days get longer. We spend our nights alone. Uh, yeah. Before you took the time to see, you didn't let me down. You're a phone call away. Uh, pretty clear. Um, pretty pretty. Also, he slows it down here. I think he's really trying to have fun with the music making aspect on this record. Like the actual way that these songs sound. Because they... they are so wildly disparate and seem to draw from different influences on a, on a song-by-song basis. He's got an enormous list of collaborators on this record. If you look at like the credits, there's like 15, 20 musicians that are credited here. For We got one guy for drums. We got uh, one woman for viola. We've got um, uh, his daughter, Eden Kale, is listed as a, uh, providing backing vocals in some place. We've got multiple guitarists. We've got strings, uh, uh, multiple uh, bass play. There's just a zillion people seem to have come through here, um, and I think he's he's kind of just luxuriating in that. And it really, honestly, thinking about it, makes a little bit of sense that he would do that because he has he's gotten through his potentially misbegotten uh, <laughs> collaboration phase from the late '80s, early '90s, where regardless of whether he was collaborating with Eno or Lou or Lou again, or New Worth, which seemed to go a little bit smoother, but was kind of a weird one-off type of thing. It, none of those collaborations seemed like they really satisfied him, regardless of how great some of those records are, obviously. Um, it doesn't seem like John Cale himself was personally satisfied by the, the music-making experience there. And so getting to sort of step back and direct everything himself and be the head honcho uh, here and just bring folks in and out as he saw fit I think I I kind of think that that's what he was what he was after here. Yeah, this is and just straight adult contemporary music. There's like a sax <laughs> solo at the yeah. end. It's beautiful. It's like, it's like mid tempo. Uh, I love it. It's, it's even like sub mid tempo. It's like just slow. It's like uh, I'm not the loving kind, but like here when you're like 
divorced and like writing an email in a coffee sh- in an internet cafe. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Seven ninety five per hour of internet connection at uh, yeah. 50, a blazing fifty six kilobytes per second. You got like a little like clear sunglasses or like and in a little yeah, tiny tiny little frames t- you you own the smallest cell phone possible mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. you've got like frosted tips and you're that's crying, what it looked like at this moment crying in your cappuccino <laughs> in uh, it's served in way too big of a cup and is really just mostly like kind of gross like foamed up two percent milk with a really bitter shot of espresso buried at the bottom I'm thinking of those, you know, those, those pictures, when were those pictures from where he's wearing that blue kind of like bowling shirt and he's got the kind of bleached spiked hair. You know what I'm talking about, I think right? that's, is that from this year? 2001. Or? Oh, that's It's not this? bowling shirt. Mm, I don't know if we're it's thinking kind of like of the a, same yeah, picture. It's not bowling shirt. It's like a knit kind of like, it's a mm. collar. It has a collar on it. It's like a light blue kind of powder blue. God damn it. I got to find this. I think we've posted this picture before. I, I really Taylor. like the picture of him wearing, um, it's from, I think, the 2000s, and he's wearing, like, some other, it, no, I, I You would I recognize this picture if, if, I, if I was able to find it. I'm sure I would. But I think that what he had during this time was just kind of, like, that uh, spiked undercut, like, haircut, like, well, the he- sort of fade and, like, spiky hair. He's, I think he's got, his hair is down, you know, he's, he's not doing the spiky thing at this particular moment since we can see the back of his hair. You know, the not, no, I cover. mean, not on the cover, but like, I think that there's some performances from around here where mm. when he is, uh, when he's, he's like, like, there's these, there's videos, there's like dancing undercover, uh, I think on, uh, on fucking Leno, on Jay Leno. On his there's a video, performing dancing Yeah, there's undercover. a video of. Yeah. Of Jay he Leno, was a in, shocking uh, regular guest on the Night Show. Why? Jay Leno in it's the so 1990s. funny that it's Leno and Kale. There, there's a picture right now. I'm looking at footage of of Jay Leno holding the compact disc of Walking on Locust, and he's about to say <laughs> the uh, name of. That's really something. That's that's that is that's that's what the '90s was so all about. Jay Leno low key just like likes the Velvet Underground because he was like, "I was that's at your show." Claim, that's what he claims. Seems, so, you know, I, th- I bet I think, he he likes them as much as he likes Billy Joel. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I has he, the same amount of music by them like scattered across his uh, his phone or whatever. He's driving his big like a wooga fucking sounding Cadillac from 1929 down the highway and playing Sister Ray. <laughs> In this video though, John Kale is like the, he's got that shaved uh, haircut, like the sides, but he's got spiky bleached hair, it looks like. And he's wearing like a, a yeah, some kind of like arty bowling shirt, but it's beige. He and he's great- wearing he's wearing big weird Cropped checkered pants. He had a great look. Very, great uh, <laughs> very like Yoji. Uh, not Yoji. More like um, uh, Junior Watanabe. Actually, it's kind of like big, like colorful, silly uh, shit. I'll take your word for it. Um, tell me why.
huge song. Enormous song. The way he builds on this one is so... I mean, this is my, one of my favorites on, on the record. One of my favorites just in general. It's, uh, it's so exciting to me. This is... And this is where I think the record starts to really come together for me and on terms of like a meaning or, you know, kind of emotional resonance, you know, personal impact kind of thing. Again, not because of what he's saying, but more more just how it sounds, how he's saying it. The, 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 those drums, those manic kind of drums that are just like pounding all the way through this song from beginning to end brings in this choir, this backing vocal thing, you know, towards the end, and he's really doing the, like, classic, deep, baritone, John, fucking John-ass-sounding vocals himself. It's really, like, this is, this is spectacular music to me. And I have no idea what it fucking means. (laughs) There's a savior. There's a savior looking on, leading us to higher ground. A lot of backup singing. There's a savior. This is really we. This is one of those moments where you listen to this and you're just like, we really are in late kale now. Like it's never going to be the same again. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, as 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 Bob Dylan has said, <laughs> never going to be the same again. And we've got like hobo sapiens to look forward to. That's right, black acetate. Yeah, I like Ex- black extra acetate. playful. You don't. Oh, yeah. so you're saying you don't like hobo sapiens? Uh. I didn't say that. Okay, but you did say that you do like Black Acetate. Do you know about five tracks? I know about five tracks. I can't say that I'm a five tracks expert. That's the 2003 it's an EP. EP. Yeah, it, that's like one of these things that you only know about if you like <laughs> are trying really hard to know about stuff uh, like that. Well, we got to um, savor everything that we can because we're getting... Uh, we're going you know, to do it all. We're so. going to do it all. That's right. Um. Tell me why it's beautiful. Indistinct notion of cool is hilarious. Ridiculous song title. Uh, I love this. This song is extremely like. I mean, right down to the lyrics, it's so ev- deeply evocative of this Let's, of 1996. The latest development in the land of Nod says all the animals got the best of us all. Lost in the miles of the 20th century cocktail parties and things. The industry and, <laughs> and things and and things. I I like. That that's not employed enough by a lyricist. Just uh, saying that and and things. <laughs> While you still riding bareback and me driving my Dodge, driving name, my Dodge, name dropping a fucking car, Dodge. The, the, yes, <laughs> replacement level car company that you can imagine. Um, you turned me into jelly. Use me like a soup can. You know. I don't know what he's going on about here, but it sounds great. It's got that like almost like Nickelodeon, like Legends of the Hidden Temple flute kind of sound. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this to me sounds like more dated than like empire burlesque i think and not that that makes it bad i or or better or worse in one in any direction but like 
this is so far away from anything that anything sounds like today. And I'm sure it'll come back again at some point. Everything always comes back in style. But it's like... <laughs> this is this is just the other side of the globe <laughs> in terms of the way music sounds today versus the way it sounded at this point. At least this fucking music did. Nobody made a song that sounded like this, though. Like, who else makes made this? Well, really? yeah, but, I mean, the Nickelodeon theme song producers did. Yeah, but not, like, people writing a song for to put lyrics on it. Oh, my God. Someone's going to reclaim this sound and this feeling at some point. I don't know that it was ever claimed in the first place. John Cale claimed it. The indistinct notion of cool. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What are the lyrics to this? What is he talking about? What is he Who saying? Who knows? You're still riding bareback. I'm driving my Dodge. You skipping a heartbeat and me not paying attention. He Something doesn't say anything then. about the indistinct notion. It, 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 does he at the end? He says that uh, the end. What does he say? The indistinct notion of cool is. Uh, da, 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 da. We won't be watching the sunset. It took too much time to learn. You're cool in your indistinct notion. Too cool in your indistinct notion. You know, you know, you know when when a certain type of fella has that indistinct notion. And too cool. He's too cool. Too cool in your too indistinct. Cool. Too, too cool in your indistinct notion. That it seems paradoxical. Do you know what he means? I think so. I think that I don't. I think that well, an indist to have to be too cool within an indistinct notion of cool would be. Uh-huh. It would mean that you're you think you're like you've got your own like personal style and nobody else gets what you're doing and you're just you're acting bad. You're being weird. Mm. You're, um, seems like it might be autobiographical, but I uh, I don't know. Who can say? I guess just John Cale. <laughs> um, Secret Corita. <laughs> It looks like it's Corrida. Corrida? <laughs> like a Corrida. <laughs> Walking down the court. I don't know what it is. Corrida? He doesn't actually say Corrida or Corrida at all in the song. Corrida. So Corrida. Unknown, exactly. The uh, pronunciation. What does he say? He says something a lot in it. Yeah. He says... Uh, the, work, um, the work of the picador. The daylight comes. Okay. The streets lie empty in the roar of the crowd for the work This one I, I like, uh, lyrically. Oh, <laughs> so you're saying you don't like the other ones. <laughs> No, I mean, lyrically, I think I, I like this one just in particular, I'll say. Yeah, this has, uh, got, a wrong, this has got a wrong way up kind of feeling uh, to me very much so. Yeah, um, Cordoba. Yeah, Cordoba, of. exactly. It's got that kind of dusty, hot, you know, Spanish, vaguely Southern European adventure, riding on a train type feeling. Okay, so the Corrida, uh, Corrida, whatever, it's the running of the bulls. It's referencing the running of the bulls. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And Picador a picador is the, is the, the one who pokes and stabs the yeah. bull with a sharp implement or a sword. Right. So this makes sake, yeah, because this, this is John Cale's uh, The Sun Also Rises. This is another one I'm just, I'm very tuned into on a sonic level. It's got, it's got some, like, 
N64 water level yes, kind of it, feeling I, to I it. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but it's also got... it's also Cave got, level. It's, it's got cave level, sure. It, but it's also got kaput on it. It's got that echoey, like, sax that's straight off of Chinatown. comes like just smashing through this song halfway through it's this is a really delicious kind of concoction and that's that's really what it is about this era in the 90s like there were all these different influences that just like didn't necessarily fit together in the right way but people were still influenced like still willing to do it and like it hasn't come back in style since then and who knows if it ever will but when it worked, and I think this is a great example of when it worked, like it is, it's such a, it's a very unique kind of feeling and sound to me. To bring it back to Frasier, it's like Frasier's apartment has the eclectic approach, you know, it's meant to kind of house all kinds of art from all over the world. And it's supposed to look equally good uh, with all those things in it. Uh, The beigeness of everything is meant to be... uh, just a permanent neutrality that uh, suits all things, so you can show off how smart and worldly you are with ease. Sure. Um, and th- this, uh, th- yeah, this this does have some of that quality of like uh, different little artifacts on a expensive blonde wood mantle. Right. A little like, uh, you know, uh, doodad from Catalina Island, plus like... A, I'm thinking uh, like a guy who has like tribal masks. Well, and, exactly, yeah. The yeah. tribal mask from, from uh, you Spider-Man. know... Spider-Man. Sub-Saharan <laughs> Africa, yeah. Spider-Man Willem is on Defoe's there. Willem ha- house, yeah. <laughs> In uh, Spider-Man. A that, nice, that a type big, of guy. A big like, you know, chunk of crit, like geode or something. Yeah, um, but then also like a like a mighty mouse like figurine. Well, that's that all sounds cool. It what? It, yeah, when when that works, when you've got the right combination of little doodads and uh, tchotchkes and priceless artifacts, <laughs> priceless it, it, artifacts. it really becomes uh, <laughs> uh, 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 that's that's just great. That's great decoration. That's, that's interior uh, design. That's that's a distinct notion of cool right there. That's what I was doing earlier today. I was uh, at a store just trying to find little bullshit like that to put in my house. Uh, yeah. Next time you go and it, do that, you can uh, listen to Secret uh, Corita. Yeah, I think the, the lyrics of this one, I, I really like at the end. Um, they, there's like a the refrain, and the daylight comes in the streets lie empty and the roar of the crowd for the it's work beautiful. of the picador and then at the end and the daylight comes and the streets turn ugly and the moon smiles down on the art of the picador love that there's very good uh lyrics in here when i find you listening and i find you sitting and i find you thinking i'll be waiting when i'm looking for you you'll see the difference you're caught in a web pure deceit in the roar of the crowd for the work of the picador it's uh, beautiful yeah, blood on sawdust, beast is bleeding, you can't get enough. It does kind of sound like, um, reminds me of, you know, struggling with your 
uh, with your marriage on, on vacation, like, um, uh, uh, like, like in Rifkin's festival. That yes, that is the reference that we we all <laughs> were waiting for. It's been a while since we did a, a Mort Rifkin uh, detour. Yeah, well, when the new Woody comes out, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a real good one. I'm sure that one's in French. In French, it's supposed oh to be good. I'm sure. They say it's good. Anyone who's still paying attention to Woody Allen at this point is going to think that whatever he puts out is good. That's not true. Um, uh, everybody's, uh, you know, everybody at the Venice Film Festival or wherever, it's, it's, it's somewhere. They're, they're showing it. I, I hope they're enjoying it. He, nobody cares anymore um, about uh, uh, trying to maintain whatever. Uh, circus. <laughs> Yes, Circus, uh, the title for uh, Circus Live. Live. But it doesn't actually contain this song. I don't think it has any songs from, uh, from this record on it, uh, as far as I think I know. it does. I think does it, it does. I'm pretty sure that it has Set Me Free. Does it? Yeah. There's like 30 songs on there. I could well be wrong. Uh, Circus by John Kill, which we will talk about, of course. Um, uh, oh, you're right. Yeah, it does have Set Me Free. It has Set Me Free, yeah. I guess there's only 23 so songs, it looks like. Still, Circus Live doesn't have Circus on it, which, you know, whatever. Um, it's a pretty song. This feels a little, um, you know, kind of uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame to me, like the animated Disney movie from 1998. Notre Dame? Um, you know... I don't even know what to, like those, the instruments at the beginning of this, I don't even know what to call those. Yeah, I don't know. It, this also has, it, it has some of that like interstitial, like, like music that would be during a part of a, a movie from 1997 where like the, just the instrumental is, if that was going, it'd be like, we have to study a lot for the thing. And then it's like, a montage of them studying and like building a little paper airplane or like a sure. paper mache thing or whatever. It's a nice song, <laughs> Circus. <laughs> Without a doubt, the ninth song on Walking on Loki. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I thought that we were like, I would feel a little bit more like, oh, we should really talk about it if it was like actually in the, the live album of its, uh, that takes the name ostensibly from this, but, um, no, and I it don't. It isn't. <laughs> it isn't. Uh, and I don't know what else to say about. It. I'm. I'm looking on Genius, and I don't even see the song. There you go. Well, that I guess that explains why. Why is that? That's weird. I don't even see this song uh. on Genius. The one place that's supposed to be like we made. There's a page on the internet dedicated to this album and its lyrics and it does not up to you to fill that in now i want to talk about it but i don't i can't we can have a we we can have a walking on locust revisited episode where we really knuckle down on circus just do a whole murder most foul type dissection of uh every word Uh yeah um no let's get along the last three songs in this record i think are where it really 
lands for me. He, 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 he's, he's run along the, the beam. He's doing the flips in the air, whatever the gymnast terms are for it. And here's where he's, he's sticking the landing here to me, uh, beginning with Gatorville, <laughs> Gatorville and points east. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gatorville and Points East. Um, Another song that just has no lyrics, according to Genius Tucker. Does it not? I mean, it, it's not on there. That's really funny. It's like jaunty, sort of like chamber. Yeah, chamber pipe. This is it's it's not too far off of uh, you know some Paris nineteen nineteen kind of stuff, um, sound wise and lyrically. It's like a little like kind of a short story, a little character sketch in the summer when she laid down beside me. Finding shelter on a rainy day, she rolled over on the bed smiling uh, whenever she was herself again. Then she ran away, she ran away, so on. Um, when she got tired, she moved to Florida, into Gatorville and points east. Became a victim of the world of ideas. They meant nothing to her in the least. I love that little stanza. That's great. Um... But a pretty pleasant, uh, easy kind of listen. Uh, otherwise, there's some like bongos or congas or something towards the end, right? Do, 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 do. Yeah, I, there's, I, con- there's, there's like conga drums all through it or bongos, it, yeah. Yeah. Sort of pitter-pattering through. It's nice. Yes. Okay. That's <laughs> Evan has weighed in on Gatorville and Points East. <laughs> Penultimate track. You know what this one's uh, about? You know, you know where this one's coming from? Some Friends. The time has turned around And the chill settles in Summer is almost gone I run along the shore I can't Yes. Uh, well, the year before this was released, uh, Sterling Morrison passed away. That's right. And that's what this, this is about. Is is uh, in his honor? Absolutely. It's definitely a uh, you know road bump type of song on this record. Like it, it wants you to know that it's here, and recognize it like based on where it's at because a lot of this record you can really just sort of put on and not even i i at least can very easily go from one song to another to another and not realize like when one has ended or even what song i'm actually listening to except for something like fucking crazy egypt um and you get that certainly towards the end i think like with circus and um uh gatorville uh, Gatorville, fucking ridiculous. Uh, but some friends is uh, is very much a like, hold up, we're gonna really bring the lights down and and make you uh, lock in here for a few minutes before we end. Um, very simple, very austere, very stately kind of song. 
But again, not like too far outside of the palette that he's working on here, like kind of some corny sounding synthesizers and some like very dated like fake flutes, like synthesized flutes or like a real flute run through some sort of weird box or filter or something. I don't even know. Um, anyways, it's about Sterling. Yeah, it's uh, it, it reminds me of the song that's uh, about Nico on Mercy. Just the there's a precedent for that with this, I suppose. Sure. And then um, if you were still around, like the redone version, the his newer version of it, which is co- kind of ostensibly for Lou, also like there's a sort of like sub canon of uh times that kale has made songs that are uh in uh, a sort of odes and homages to fallen friends this is one of those absolutely yeah and uh it's very you know uh, short and sweet uh lyrically at least there's not uh, really too much here right the tides turned around and the chill settles in summer's almost gone i run along the shore i can't avoid it anymore in the window where the sun shines through on the bedroom linen that kept you cool. You lie there, thinking in wide-eyed surprise, hardly believing we realize that some friends pass on, some friends belong to time. That's it. That's the whole song. Um, It's nice to see, you know. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say it's my favorite song on the record, but um, I feel like Sterling is, uh, you know, if anyone in the Velvet Underground is going to be unsung, um, undersung perhaps, it's Sterling. Um, perhaps because he passed, you know, uh, earliest, perhaps because he really didn't do much, you know, as a musician, unlike everyone else, uh, perhaps because he isn't really a controversial figure. You mean overlooked for those reasons? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, a combination of all these reasons, you know, Um, he's such a team player, you know, that he's like one of the best like band members. And that also makes him kind of, uh, so he doesn't make himself uh, a spectacle. He just is quietly crucial. He's just uh, always there, the, or was yeah. always there, Sterling. So it's nice to see John give him uh, a little moment in sun. I think it's a, a pretty song. Yeah. Uh, and then... Entre nous. Entre nous. Pretty song on the record. I you think so? This. Yes. This is. I was listening to this, you know, yesterday. I was like doing fucking yard work uh, uh, outside, and this song came on. Clearing brush. I was clearing brush. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've got a yard to work on now. But um, just when those the, those like kind of ooh thing, you know, the vocals coming at the beginning, and then those like really warm uh, keyboard tones float in afterwards. I'm just like, holy shit! This is it. Like this is the yeah, whole. This does, is the whole thing. This is for good. Me. This is my favorite song on the record, one of my favorite genre uh, songs in general, and I think really sums up this entire feeling, mode, spirit, era in his his career. It dates back to um, uh, dates back to Wrong Way Up, and really takes you through the 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 entire decade of the '90s into you know where he's going to go in the 21st century. Just this like carefree, effortless, uh, a lighter than air kind of feeling, like I was talking about earlier. Like he's made it through. He's made it through the shit, right? He's uh, the the storm is behind him now. Looking in the rearview mirror, like it's 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 clear sailing for the most part, uh, which is not to say that you know I'm sure the man has faced some struggles since then. But like it's um it's he's moving up, you know things are things are 
on an upward swing at this point. And this song just has that feeling to me. It's so, yeah. it's, it's such a perfect note. Feels like a sunset or sunrise type song. Sure. It's, um, it's funny with a record like this, you know, I, I think I just need to spend more time living with it and um, having memories associated with it. That, that always helps to develop a deeper understanding of a record and appreciation of it. But even now, as I'm just sending this uh, episode out, as we are finishing up talking about the album, I kind of feel like protective of it. Like if anyone else were to say that this was an unimportant or st- like stupid album, I'd be like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's totally fair. and That makes sense, right? Like, you know, I wouldn't expect this record to really st- strike everyone, certainly in the way that it struck me. Just the way that Together Through Life doesn't strike uh, uh, anyone else, the way that it strikes it. Like, Sometimes it's just kind of a, a a matter of like, you know, right place, right time, right album. Um, and you have the right kind of, uh, you know, a sense memory with it. It, it tastes like something or, or smells like something that really, you know, uh, is shockingly kind of relevant or resonant to you. And that just like that turns it into something much more than it really is in reality, at least on the page or, you know, uh, on the stereo, so to speak. And um you know, we're all going to have different different albums like that. Uh, and for me, for me, it uh, just so happens to be Walking on Locusts. Uh, three stars. No question. Wow. One of the greats. Come on. I mean, I knew that you would do that. <laughs> uh, two stars. You can give it two stars. That's fine. I won't hold it against you. <laughs> Jokerman.